Welcome to the Business Bound podcast, where authors of business books chat with me, Tasha Glasgow, about their books. My first interview is with Sarah Townsend, the author of Survival Skills for Freelancers, tried and tested tips to help you ace self-employment without burnout. Sarah has been a successful freelance marketing copywriter for over 20 years, and she's distilled her experiences, strategies, and research into this book. In this episode, we talk about the personality traits that help you thrive as a freelancer, how to deal with isolation when working from home, when to trust your gut and when to let go, and so much more. This episode is sponsored by The Pod Squad, the podcast agency that books experts on relevant podcasts to increase their visibility and help them spread their message to a new audience. Full disclosure, my day job. Check out thepodsquad.com. Thanks for joining me today, Sarah. Pleasure. Good to be here. I I really enjoyed your book and it is a book that I wish that I had when I was starting uh, in freelancing 10 years ago and actually started my entrepreneurial journey about 20 years ago. Uh, sure. And it it's really a book that I wish that I had back then. So yeah. I was kind of like reading it and I was nodding and being like, yes, <laughs> yes, the whole way through. So it's it's yeah. it's really it's really great. Um, you, you discuss eight main freelancing life myths and, and we'll talk about a few of those, uh, later, but first, why did you become a freelancer? Um, well, it's quite a practical story, really. I was yeah. actually working as an account manager and an editor for a magazine publisher um, down in Bristol, and I became pregnant. And I knew right there and then that I had no, I, I just don't think I have the strength of character to be a full-time mom. I knew that I needed work in my life as well as motherhood. Um, and I wanted, like a lot of parents do, to achieve some form of balance between work and, um, and being a parent. And at the time, I approached my managing director and asked if I could work three days a week. Mm-hmm. And as I say in the book, he shut me down and uh, and said, no, no, absolutely not. We, You're an account manager. You can't expect your clients to understand that you only work three days a week. That's not OK. And um, I must admit, I wasn't that surprised because it was still the 1990s and it was kind of... Um, way too soon for flexible working, remote working, and mm. that sort of thing. And my managing editor suggested that I went freelance. I hadn't thought about it. I didn't I didn't really even consider it as an option. It's something that a lot of our journalists that we used to commission, they they were all freelance at the time. So why I kind of used to admire them and their lifestyles, but it wasn't something that I'd ever considered for myself. Yeah. But when Karen suggested that I went freelance and said that they would give me some work to tide me over, I thought, well, it's a good compromise. It's um, it's a good way of getting my three days a week. So I decided to go for it. And the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to 
go back to working for someone else or is it something oh, no never? no 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 <laughs> no never i do know people who have gone back to employment but i i definitely am never going to do that i mean certainly if i haven't in 20 years it's not likely <laughs> now but at no stage in the process have i thought you know what i just want to go back to employment for an easy life <laughs> um no <laughs> categorical <laughs> i feel the same way trust me <laughs> do you yeah absolutely i i actually worked briefly i worked part-time um in my early 20s uh, while i was a student but outside okay. of that i've never worked for anyone else uh really? so yeah i've <laughs> that's, un that's unusual i think i think everybody has such a different wobbly journey to freelance life and it's never really yeah. that straightforward and i don't think anybody really has it or the vast majority of people don't have it as part of the career plan it's something that we tend to fall into um for for various reasons but yeah, that's interesting that you've never actually worked in a full-time job. Yeah. Yeah. I think from the time I was a kid, I kind of knew that I wanted to kind of take control of, oh, of my career. Okay. And and even though that's not how I actually, you know, what I got went to school and was educated for, um, it, it is really quite a natural progression for me. Do you think that it takes a certain type of personality to succeed as a freelancer or an entrepreneur? I, yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say that there are any personality types that couldn't make it as a freelancer because if you've got the right level of dedication and drive then anybody can can achieve anything right but i would certainly say that there are certain personality types that stand you in good stead mm -hmm. um it, there are so many as you'll know yourself there are so many distractions you have to be dedicated and disciplined and focused but I think more than anything, you have to have this curiosity and the drive to mm. do it. Um, certainly, there's a section in the book where I go over the different personality traits that can yeah. help you and those that can hinder. And a lot of people actually find they thrive under being managed and by having someone else control their time and the tasks that they need to achieve and left, on, left to their own devices they would struggle. And um, yeah, I've actually got a couple of friends who tried self-employment and went back to employment for that very reason, because they just found it a little bit too much of a struggle. Yeah. So it's not for everyone. No, no, not at all. Do you think that resilience is really key? Yeah, 100%. And the interesting thing about resilience is a lot of people think it's a trait that you're born with, mm. but it's actually something that the mental health charity Mind talk about quite a lot on their website. And it's actually something that you can develop. It's like a muscle. Right. So you can do certain things that will make you more resilient. Um, so that's quite a nice, reassuring thing. Once you realize that, then, uh, you know, it's, it's quite encouraging to know that that's something you can work on and develop. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you talk about isolation and mental health um, uh, quite a bit, and particularly the, the first myth, the importance of connecting with others while you're, you're working from home and, and all of that. Do mm. you have any further advice for an entrepreneur or freelancer now who's dealing with lockdowns and social distancing and all of that stuff because of the virus? Because now we can't really do the 
going to the gym, kind of working mm-hmm. there as much. And mm-hmm. yeah. So what, what further advice would you have for someone now? I would, I would still focus on the importance of connection and mm-hmm. it's, although we're having to adapt or we have had to adapt to the way we connect with others, it's, it's been vital for people. I mean, particularly while we've been properly in lockdown and only allowed to go out once a day for exercise, it, it has meant that we've all had to be quite adaptable and flexible and actually taking our meetings online and um doing more zoom calls we've all become real zoom (laughs) experts haven't we (laughs) um so we're still doing the networking or a lot of us are i certainly am and it's just that those meetings have gone from being face to face in the same room chatting over a coffee they're now on our our computer screens so it's been quite different but i would i would say that the connection is still the first and foremost, the key to looking after your own well-being and your own mental health, because a lot of people are really struggling at the moment with that feeling of being isolated, probably mm-hmm. more so now than ever. Yeah, yeah. Did you do you think that you were more equipped to deal with these kind of circumstances with the lockdown because you're so used to working from home? Um. Yeah, I would say that that's a fair comment. Um, Also, from a practical perspective, yes, I said in the book that I have worked outside five days a week at my gym, from the coffee bar at Mm -hmm. my gym, um, for as long as I can remember, really. And I tend to get there early in the morning and take a break mid-morning for exercise and then kind of work as long as my laptop battery will allow. (laughs) But uh, certainly... I've been very fortunate in that I have office space within my home and a lot of people don't have that. So Mm -hmm. I've been sharing, um, my partner's actually moved in during lockdown and he's self-employed as well. And my 17-year-old son has had schoolwork. So we're lucky that we've got lots of space to work around. So we haven't been getting under each other's feet too much. Yeah, I think that's just a real challenge for a lot of people working from the dining table or the kitchen table or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Do you have any advice about that work-life balance within your household uh, for people who don't, for example, like you said, have a dedicated room where they can escape and do their work? Mm, Yeah. Uh, Yeah, certainly try to, however difficult it is, try to designate certain work zones and home zones so Mm -hmm. that the two don't overlap if possible so a lot of people will sit in front of the tv and work on their laptop on the sofa Mm. and some people will take their laptop to bed I wouldn't recommend either of those things because those need to be your personal spaces for taking care of your own headspace really you need to have those down times and those mm. spaces that are unconnected to work and 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 don't have those work associations so yeah try to keep designated areas of your home separate for work um clear away your uh your work things your laptop your papers or whatever before you eat dinner together as a family <laughs> or as a couple if that's something you do because then it's uh it, it's just avoiding the two worlds colliding as it were um and yeah certainly also 
make sure that you build time into your day for things like moving. <laughs> it sounds so obvious, but we're all sitting in front of our laptops so many hours of the day. It's easy to forget to get up, walk around, do some stretches, get some fresh air. And that exercise and movement are so important for your own well-being on a daily basis. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I find sometimes I sit down and I'm I'm working on a project and two, three hours pass. And you kind of look at the yeah. clock and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> two hours has passed? <laughs> Sounds What's like going? you get hyper-focused like me. <laughs> yeah. It's too easy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The day just can really just get away from you and you can just uh, the hours can just pass so you do have to make that time to just definitely move around i i need to work on that that's that's for sure yeah yeah it's a conscious effort thing and a lot of people say well how do you deal with things like household chores but i think you've got you've got a choice of two approaches you can either put them to the end of the day and say okay these are things that i do when i finish work or you can do what i do which is actually Every time you get up from your laptop, take five minutes to unload the dishwasher, hang the washing, whatever. And it's it's an actual, it's like a reset. It's like hitting a reset button in your day. So you can actually start, it's it's as if you, you're kind of clearing the mental blocks. You're getting a fresh perspective. You can go back to work with a fresh, clear head. And hopefully that will yeah, basically just shake up the day for you. And, and also it gives you that time away from your laptop to think about other things. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, um, I think this was myth, it might've been myth two, but you were talking about being a control freak. <laughs> and mm. I'm laughing because I was thinking that's, that's me. Uh, you talked about feeling that, in order to get something done properly, you had to do it yourself. And mm -hmm. that's me as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, it's uncanny. Um, and and you. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you talk about not being afraid to ask for help. Mm. Um, how do you know that you've reached the stage when you're, when you're a freelancer that, okay, now I really need to get help. Now I need to let mm. go. Yeah, that, that is such a good question. Hopefully you don't realise you've got to that stage because you've gone past that stage and you're starting to feel the uh, the results of overwhelm and, and starting to burn out because that's what so many people do, myself included. So it took me a really long time for those reasons you've already mentioned to actually uh, realise that it wasn't a sign of weakness to ask mm. for help, that it was actually a sign of strength because it means that you're acknowledging the things that you are best at and the things that you're not best at. Yeah. And it, not only, as I've said in the book, another way to look at it is you're helping out another freelancer because you're giving them work for their specialized area. So that's always a nice thing to do to help one another out. But more to the point, it's, it's looking after your own mental health because the easiest thing in the world is to feel that pressure that you are having to be all things, wear so many different hats, you do your own accounts, you're your own life coach, you're your own <laughs> HR person, 
administrator, salesperson, marketer, etc. And it's it's not it's it's not good for you. It's not good for your mindset. So as soon as you accept that your time is best spent doing things that are your area of expertise and it's actually far better for your business, better economically as well, to 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 pay somebody else to do the things that are not a good use of your time, they're not your specialised area, and they're not the thing that makes you money. So I would say the biggest hurdle for freelancers and the self-employed in terms of hiring someone else is getting over that mental block that oh gosh I've got to pay someone else if I want someone to do my admin or to do my accounts and if you're not used to doing that you might think well I just can't afford I can't afford to do that but sometimes can you afford not to Mm -hmm. because if you earn say pluck a figure from the air say you earn 50 pounds an hour for doing what you're specialized um specialized area is and you pay someone 30 pounds an hour to help you out with your admin or to help you out with your accounts or your bookkeeping or whatever it might be you're potentially earning 20 pounds an hour more because you're freeing that time up to do the work that you love and that's the reason we all go freelance in the first place ideally yeah so yeah so it it is a difficult place to get to sometimes mindset wise but once you've adapted to that mentality that it actually makes perfect sense to get someone else to help you with the things that you don't enjoy and the things that you struggle with then um yeah it's it's like you enter a different zone almost it's like you kind of power up you know when there's (laughs) Those little games like Mario Bros and that kind of thing where you get a little star in a box. It's a bit like that. You're powering up. <laughs> I, uh, I, I you up to do the stuff you love. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I still struggle with that a little bit. Um, I think I, I <laughs> when I do speak to other entrepreneurs, I always say that, based on my experience anyway, that you have to make sure that when you are outsourcing certain really important tasks to make sure that you are working with the right people. Absolutely. Um, because I had a horrible experience, especially when I was starting out, my husband and I, we had a business um, in the early noughties. Um, mm-hmm. we, we were doing CD duplication and printing and all that. And we worked, we, we worked with a company, a marketing company, Uh, They approached us and they were so professional. They were they were in Leeds and we went to their offices and they had loads of people there and they looked fantastic. Mm. Great branding and literature. And they were doing email marketing. Okay. And they told us that uh, we can contact your ideal clients and, you know, we've got these databases of people that are expecting the emails and, you know, you're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. where this is going. Yeah. Emperor's new clothes. Then. <laughs> yeah. And and so we thought, oh, wow, this is fantastic. We signed a contract with these guys. Mm-hmm. And when they started doing the work for us, they were taking copy from our website, 
They were taking images from our website, weren't doing any work on their own. And they were just spamming people, just spamming people. And (laughs) it was horrible because we were locked into this contract. So, yeah. So I often say to people, outsource, look for, make sure, but make sure you get great recommendations. Make sure Mm -hmm. you, if before you sign anything, yeah. And before you sign anything, get someone to look at contracts because you don't want to get unstuck with that kind of thing where, Mm. because we had to pay these guys thousands of pounds and they weren't doing any work at all. Oh no, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully they're not still going because I don't know. They've probably caught lots of people in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I recall around that time uh, finding out that there were other people that were having issues with them. I don't know if they're still around. Um, but what a, what a good scam. And, and unfortunately wow. when you're on your own, if you're, if you're making these decisions, um, yeah, you have to make sure that you've got someone else kind of that can give you these recommendations because a lot of times you can get sucked in and yeah. you get so keen because you think, oh wow, because it's your business, it's your baby. Yeah, you really want it to succeed. And you want them um, so, to share your passion, don't you? Yeah. And, and it's very difficult to find somebody who can. But when you find the right people, as you say, go on word of mouth. That's so important. Yeah. Um, if, if you're using LinkedIn, ask around on LinkedIn and Twitter and that kind of thing. Because, yeah, getting tied in with the wrong the wrong supplier and mm-hmm. outsourcing to the wrong person could cause you a whole heap of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been lucky that that's not happened to me that I can think of, but I would say it took me the first 15 years, which is pretty shocking, really. 15 years of the 20 ish that I've been freelance to actually realize I needed to ask for help. Yeah. And I couldn't do everything myself much as I'd like to because I am a total control freak. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you can tell from the book. <laughs> it was definitely overlap. You have a, a quote in the book uh, that I'm going to I'm going to read it because uh, I totally resonated with this. Yeah. It's a universal truth that the clients who question costs oh. or refuse to pay always without exception end up being the biggest pain in the butt Uh, yeah yeah (laughs) i absolutely love this why is that (laughs) i don't don't know i don't know so um how did you deal with with nightmare clients and in your earlier days can i just share something that i heard literally a couple of days ago and it really it really hit home with me because it's basically saying that quote in a different way. Yeah. It was something like um, somebody said that in there's a Chinese, uh, a, an old Chinese saying that the hissing starts in the cheap seats. And it's like, if you decide to give away, it was actually in the context of somebody saying, oh, I've been giving away free books or or, or, or uh, reducing my book to zero, uh, giving it away free on Amazon to try to get lots of customers, try to spread the word. But all the people who were the people taking it free were the people who were slating her book. Um, and I just thought that's a really interesting point, isn't it? It's If somebody is prepared to invest in something, then they're going to value it. And I think that is is extremely important realization to have when you are self-employed. I think if you are undercharging 
sorry, I'm going off piste a little bit here. That's fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> and the question was, <laughs> how did I deal with difficult clients? Um, yeah. Uh, hmm. I, I really struggled more than once. And I think I learned the hard way is the, is the short answer. Um, it took me a while to recognize that hmm, it's almost like if you've been in a difficult relationship and you quickly recognize the signs mm-hmm. of another potential difficult relationship, you just run a mile, don't you? So <laughs> I guess it was a little bit like that. You start to notice that they're quibbling over cost and being cheap about things and being micromanaging is a particularly difficult one for me because I am probably a bit of a micromanager myself. I certainly was with the design and the the layout of my book. The people who put up with working with me deserve a medal because I was kind of going back with two pages of A4 of real specifics like change this to this and this should be this font and this bullet point should be in this size and line spacing is wrong and all this kind of thing so two micromanagers together is not a happy relationship um so I think yeah you you know the kinds of people that after a while you know the kinds of people that you want to work with and the funny thing is when you're in a position to almost be to kind of take a light touch approach to whether you get or don't get business. Mm-hmm. So what I mean by that is you're, you're past that stage where you're kind of desperate for, you just need work. You don't care what you take on. You take on anything that comes your way, whether it's a good fit or whether they're paying the right fee or whether you can tell that they're going to be a total pain in the butt. Um, Once you've got to a stage where you're earning enough to let that go, it's almost as if having that kind of confidence and being in that comfortable position gives you a certain level of power because it takes away the desperation out of each decision and it gives you almost objectivity. So you can look at a client and a job and really take an objective opinion on whether that client and that job are a good fit for you and what you want to get out of your business. It really helps. So it's easy for me to say that having been freelance for 20 years, when you're starting out, you won't, you probably won't have that luxury. And it will probably take you a while to get to that position where you're earning enough uh, regularly to be able to say, okay, well, I get this work or I don't get this work. It doesn't it, it doesn't matter too much because you know that the next job that comes along will probably be a better fit. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned yeah. desperation and I thought that was uh, that was a good word mm. because I think also when you appear to be desperate, the client can sense it. 100%. And yeah, they can smell the mm. blood in the water. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. Good analogy. Then suddenly, I like that. <laughs> and, yeah. and you suddenly become their employee instead of being mm-hmm. an expert mm-hmm. in, you know, in, in your in your work. Mm-hmm. You're almost like such a subordinate. And, uh, and obviously this doesn't happen all yeah. the time, but some clients will just start to treat you like, 
yeah, like you're this employee and it's like, do, mm. do this, do that instead mm. of, instead of an expert. So yeah, I think it's very important to do as soon as you can not seem desperate. Yeah. Yeah. So. Because otherwise you end up going for, I mean, particularly if you've been employed and you've made a conscious decision to become your own boss, you can find that instead of having one boss in your employed job, you just end up with lots and lots of mini bosses. Each of your clients becomes a mini boss. And like you say, you're doing everything on their terms. And that Mm -hmm. is not the idea. We're working for ourselves. And I think it's really important to remember those words. It's got to work for you. So if you are finding that your clients are really running your life and dictating your terms and dictating the length of your day and dictating how much they're paying you, try to take a step back and take a breath and reassess. Because the ideal scenario is to become a partner with your client. So rather than being a supplier, I think there's a really big difference between being a supplier, being seen to be a supplier and being considered to be a marketing partner or a design partner Mm -hmm. or a copywriting partner. And it's when you build those relationships with your clients, when your relationship becomes built on trust rather than transaction. Mm -hmm. I think that is a turning point. Yeah, absolutely. And also you mentioned, and I agree with this totally, the importance of following, kind of following your instincts and following your gut when, mm. when choosing <laughs> clients to work with. I think that's, that's yeah. huge because I, I have found that as well. If you, if you ignore the signs, if you're feeling that when you're talking to somebody before they kind of sign on with you and it's, it's, it's this little thing in your head that, you know, mm. this isn't going to work. Yeah. And you've got to just let them go because I found that you're unable to just complete the work as successfully for them. Mm, Yeah. The motivation is gone. You're more likely to procrastinate. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. And you're also more likely to question every single decision you make because it's almost as if you're judging yourself through the lens of how you think Mm -hmm. the client is judging you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. 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 So it it is, it is so important. And again, I think that's something that takes sometimes years, it's only in my case, um, to, to develop as a strength that, that ability to tune into what your, it's not even just your mind. It's like your body tells you it's sort of like you prickle almost when you see their name coming up on your phone and you're kind of like you know you kind of you you, your heartbeat races a little bit because and not in a good way um because you really don't want to talk to them because everything feels out of sync slightly and if you can tune into that and you can find yourself working with the people who energize you and whose phone calls you look forward to and whose work you anticipate with a smile on your face. That is, is kind of the key. It's doing more of that work that excites you. And as I say in the, in the book, the stuff, it's like Marie Kondo. It's that, it's the, (laughs) the idea of sparks joy, isn't it? It's, it's working with the clients who spark joy and, uh, and on the work. I'm sure that's completely trademarked. Sorry, Marie Kondo. Um, but it, but it's that kind of aim ultimately yeah. to, uh, yeah, 
to find that, that those people who are a perfect fit with your business. Yeah, a million percent. Do you have any other tips for someone who might struggle with motivation throughout the day when they're when they're um, when they're working from home? Yeah, I think I think motivation and focus are very closely linked. And I think sometimes it's very easy to procrastinate. We all do that displacement activity thing when we really don't want to get started with something. And sometimes actually getting started is half the battle. So I use the Pomodoro technique, which Mm -hmm. I've mentioned in the book, which is based on this idea of setting a timer for 25 minutes and working completely focused on the task in hand, whatever that task may be. And when the timer goes off, you take a five minute break. And after four of those 25 minute stints, you take a longer break. And I find if I stay off social media, I have to sometimes, I'm still bad at this. I have to sometimes leave my mobile phone in another room because otherwise I get notifications popping up all the time and it's so easy to lose focus. But if I'm on my Pomodoro um, stints, I tend to focus much more easily. And then in those five minute breaks, get up, get away from your laptop, make yourself a coffee, go downstairs, do some, you know, do some stretches, like some star jumps in your kitchen, whatever, <laughs> put on a loud piece of music and jump around or dance around, something to re-energize yourself. Yeah. And then when you go back after just a tiny five minute break, you will find that you're more focused again. Does that help? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I find, uh, something that I tend to do is if I'm struggling with something, just say to myself, well, I'm going to do it for five minutes, five yeah. minutes. And yeah. then once you're in the five minutes, then you realize that you can go longer and longer. So yeah, yeah I, I can't remember sure. where I, what book I picked that up from, but yeah, <laughs> if I, if I remember, I'll put it, it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is definitely just getting started sometimes, isn't yeah. it? I mean, particularly if you're, you know, for all the freelance writers are out there, sometimes we, we, we just get stuck with that blank page syndrome. Um, and it's just a good idea to just write without editing as you go, just, just get stuff out there and just make a start. And when, as you say, once you've made a start, it's, it's fairly easy to keep going because it's like the energy catches you up, I think. Mm. But yeah, distractions. Mm, so there are just so many of them. Just manage them. Don't let, you know, run them. Don't let them run you. Um, easier said than done sometimes, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What do you say to a freelancer or an entrepreneur like myself <laughs> that <laughs> hasn't taken a holiday in years, doesn't <gasps> maybe even know what a holiday oh, is? <laughs> wow. What do you say to them? Well, I, I don't think you can be, and, and I have learned this the hard way. There is a, a very open, very personal chapter in the book about money and the need to pay yourself first and the need to take breaks because you cannot be your best self, your best you, whatever you, however you want to describe it, if you're not taking care of yourself first and part of the reason or part of the way in which we take care of ourselves is to take breaks and to 
replenish our own supplies of good things and only then can we come back to work refreshed and ready to go with a fresh perspective and completely switched on and just feeling good because you can't do your best work when you're not feeling your best self you just can't so I would say um the ipsy what is it? Institute for Personnel and Self-Employed, whatever IPSI stands for, something like that. Um, they put out a really great piece of research, which I refer to in the book, about how much more productive you are when you take a break. They did a, a big survey. Another one that did a big survey on this is Leapers. Um, they call themselves the, um, the oh gosh, the hmm, the team for people who don't have a team, something like that. They're right. just fantastic. The guy who runs it is is an absolute superstar. The stuff he's achieving with it is fantastic. It's all about mental health for freelancers. And they said the same thing that um, you have to you have to prioritize taking breaks because you are not otherwise prioritizing your own mental health and your own well-being and it's just too easy to push yourself too far and to hit burnout and an overwhelm and, and fall over and then you're no good to anybody you can't be there for your family your friends the people you love and you certainly can't be there for your clients yeah don't learn the yeah. hard way i think that's what i would say don't learn the hard way yeah that's that's definitely good advice. Definitely good advice. So why did you decide to write your book now? What what was it that prompted you to to write it? I it was released about a week and a half ago. Yeah. It was so, released on National Freelancers Day, yeah. Eighteenth yeah. of June. Yeah. So what what was it that prompted you to write your book? Um, I think I'm a, an anomaly in that everybody says, oh, you know, everyone has a book in them. But I was convinced I didn't because I write for a living. Like, why would I want to spend my spare time also writing? <laughs> so um, it was never on the cards for me. And it, it sort of just happened. I think I basically I my, my business um, turned 20. So I, I celebrated my 20th um, anniversary of going freelance. And I asked in one of my newsletters what I should do to celebrate. And one of the ideas that came back to me was, why don't you share your top tips from 20 years of freelance experience? So I put it off and put it off. And then I finally wrote this post. And the post went kind of crazy. So people were really responding well to the honesty of it. And yeah, I, I would say that it, it almost, well, it made me realize that there was very little out there that talked about the, the messiness and the challenges of freelance life. And, um, and therefore people are out there feeling like they're on their own and they're the only people going through this. They're the only people feeling isolated. They're the only people struggling with unpredictability and the highs and lows. And it just made me think, I, it feels like time to give something back. So for me, writing a book as like I've had a few people over the past week or so have said how many copies have you sold I have no idea I, I I'm not even 
interested in finding out. A couple of people have even sent me a link to find out, but <laughs> I'd rather just wait until I get a royalties check and it'd be a nice surprise, you know, because for me, it's not about the money. It's about reaching and supporting as many freelancers as I possibly can, because I've learned this stuff the hard way and I built my freelance business with very little guidance. I was learning to run a business at the same time as learning to be a mom. And it was tough. It was really tough. And there was nothing around. I mean, there was barely an internet then. There certainly wasn't any social media. (laughs) So yeah, I, I, I definitely learned the hard way. And now there's no need for people to to do that. There's no need for them to struggle with the things I've struggled with because I've put all that advice into the book. So for me, the goal was to create something that I would have loved when I was starting my own freelance journey. And um, from the feedback that I've had in the 70-odd reviews in just less than two weeks, I would say that's exactly what I've achieved that's and fantastic. that's just so, yeah. it blows my mind how how much support I've had for it and how warmly it's been received and how people are, are just relating to the fact that it feels like they've got their own personal business mentor or it's like a comforting hug, somebody said. It's like warm wisdom and accompanying you on the journey and all these are, are kind of little snippets of the reviews that I've had so far. So, yeah job done I would yeah, say fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> what is the the biggest message that you want your readers to take away from your book oh that's a very good question I would have to say it's there are a lot of important messages it's about working smarter not working harder because there's a lot out there pushing the hustle you need to be working stupid hours it's almost like we wear busy busyness as opposed to business busyness as kind of a badge of honor and it should not be that way it should be about prioritizing yourself as well as your clients so that you can serve them better and, and serve yourself better, ultimately. But ultimately, I guess you're not alone. However much you're struggling with bad days or the ups and downs of freelancing and the unpredictability, not knowing what to charge, not knowing when to say no, feeling like you're isolated working from home or whatever, you are not alone. And there are hundreds and thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of people out there going through the exact same things as you, and it's perfectly normal. Does that sound like a good message? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great message. You're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you, Sarah? What's next? I would like to have a rest. <laughs> uh, a holiday then. Me? In, re- in reality, what's next is um, recording the audiobook version because I haven't done that yet. I just simply haven't had the time. I wanted to launch all three at the same time. I'm hoping to get more podcast interviews, more talks, more webinars, and this sort of thing so that I can spread that message far and wide, the importance of freelancer well-being and mental health, because 
at the moment, there's a big push within the world of employment for companies to have a designated trained up mental health professional that people can go to when they're struggling, they're having a bad day or their anxiety is through the roof and they need someone to talk to. Freelancers don't have that. We have to do that for ourselves. And we have to recognize the tipping points, I think, and stop doing the damaging things and stop stop pushing ourselves so hard and always wanting more from ourselves so that we get to the point where we topple over and it's too late and we've we've burnt out and and then we're no good to anybody so um yeah i guess i guess i guess that's it it's all about spreading the word for me and reaching and helping as many freelancers as i can Fantastic. Fantastic. How can our listeners get in touch with you? Uh, I guess the best way, sort of as, as a starting point, the easiest thing I can give out is survivalskillsforfreelancers.com. That's the website that links directly to Amazon if you want to buy my book or check out the reviews. It's also got uh, my email address on there. It's got a link to my copywriting website and my social media as well. But in the meantime, if you feel like connecting with me on LinkedIn, look me up and drop me uh, a message saying that you've heard me on um, Tasha's podcast and I'll happily connect. I will make sure that I put in the show notes for this episode um, the link to your book and your LinkedIn link and everything. So all that information will be in there for for anyone to uh, to click on and get in touch with you. So Sarah, thanks. Thanks so much for talking to me today. It's been great having you on the show. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please leave a five-star review on whichever app you're listening on. So check out the website, businessboundpodcast.com for show notes and information about upcoming episodes. In the next episode, I will be talking to Safna Pieru about her book, Let's Get Visible, Get Brand Clarity, Stand Out in Your Industry and Supercharge Your Business Growth. Until then...